a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. If you think back over the past number of months, we have been faced with a number of problems, right? Uh, this COVID showed up and it dealt us a, a gut punch, uh, pretty much a heavy blow to all areas of life. The way we move around, the way we do business, the way we visit our family, uh, the, the way we learn, the way we recreate, everything, everything has been so devastatingly impacted by this uh, coronavirus. And it is very easy, and I don't exclude myself because I am absolutely in this category. It is very easy uh, to get worn down. It's very easy uh, to get blue and to feel uh, you know, some sense of being defeated uh, by this dang coronavirus. And I'll tell you what, when I am able to uh, encounter... Uh, creativity and ways of doing business and living that uh, uh, that overcome the challenges uh, presented by this coronavirus. It is so absolutely refreshing. And uh, you know, I've been uh, spending a lot of time speaking with uh, with the Utah Farm Bureau and their uh, operation called uh, Farmers uh, Feeding Utah. It is. Uh, an operation which uh, helps out the farmers who are struggling uh, by getting donated money to them, so that they might then provide food uh, to the needing to the needy. It's a win-win. And uh, just yesterday, I became aware of another uh, program uh, which is doing almost the same exact thing. There are uh, restaurants throughout the state of Utah, and as you well know, uh, due to restrictions and fear and just uh, you know the inability uh, to get into to, to restaurants, uh, restaurant tours have suffered mightily. And uh, and also with rampant job loss, uh, there are a number who have been challenged uh, challenged by not having the ability or the money or the means or the resources uh, to keep food in the pantry and in the bellies of themselves and their children. So what if we were somehow able to get in the middle of that uh, and uh, provide resources uh, for the restaurateurs who can use their expertise to then fill the bellies uh, of the needy? And that brings us to the conversation at hand right now. Joining me on the line is a gentleman named Jonathan Ruga, who is the founder of LightSpark Foundation, who has then uh, given way to the Nourish to Flourish initiative. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for joining me. How are you? I am doing great, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. T- t- tell, me about, uh, tell me about Nourish to Flourish and how you came up with this idea. Well, you know, it's one of those silver lining stories. So basically, we're in the early stages of the COVID-19 crisis, and, um, you know, we've been part of this community business and philanthropic for many, many years. And we're looking around and we see um, that the COVID-19 crisis has exacerbated and highlighted a variety of economic issues in our community, including food insecurity. So, you know, that's kind of uh, 
you know, front and center in terms of the way we're viewing um, the crisis. And then the closing of the restaurants, as you pointed out, has decimated a large portion, in fact, maybe all uh, of our local restaurant community. And so basically, as we were evaluating how we might be able to help our community during this crisis, frankly, we just simply connected those two dots, food insecurity could be addressed, and restaurants could be given a lifeline by preparing meals for under-resourced members of our community. So, you know, that's, that's the idea. It was literally in the middle of the night, one night, thinking about the challenges that the COVID-19 crisis has created and how could we uh, facilitate some um, uh, improvement of, of the devastation that has occurred. And, you know, when you're thinking about some of the most basic human needs, um, food obviously being one of those, and uh, how you might be able to address that, it, it was one of those things that just, you know, like a light bulb going on. So that's, uh, that's how it all started. And, and, and basically we, we have some relationships with uh, the Boys and Girls Club. So we, we called um, the CEO there, Leanne Saldivar, who's a longtime friend, and we described our idea to her. And uh, we were in touch with a restaurant that we're very familiar with. We have a, uh, an investment in a little restaurant called Pulp Lifestyle Kitchen. So we called the uh, CEO there and connected those two. Um, Boys and Girls Clubs and Pulp, and began a few days after the idea, providing 100 meals a day to the Boys and Girls Clubs that they then distributed to their members and their families. Outstanding. Uh, Joining us on the line uh, as well is uh, Andrew Bebbington, uh, Nourish to Flourish Operations Manager. Andrew, what can you tell us in terms of how many meals you've been able to uh, provide for, for needy families around the state? Well, um, to date, we've served 23,000 meals uh, through 10 different service provider groups. But we're continuing to scale up the activity, and we're going to increase our weekly uh, run rate of meals to nearly 5,200 in the next week or so. And we continue to add service providers and new restaurants into the program. So we're hoping that by the end of the year, we will have delivered somewhere in the region of about 100,000 meals uh, to these different service groups uh, around uh, Utah, uh, around Salt Lake County. How were you able to pay for all this? So it's uh, a combination of private and public uh, fundraising. Um, we initially, through Century Financial, started financing the program uh, in its early stages, and then the county uh, stepped up and awarded us a grant of four hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars to add to the funds that we already had. And that allowed us to significantly scale the program. And where we stand now is we have uh, a number of restaurants on the waiting list and a number of service providers on the waiting list uh, to participate in the program. And all we need is now additional funding to scale uh, the initiative going forward. Who qualifies to be on the receiving end of one of these meals? Uh, You know, we look at these service organizations that are are largely well-known around Jonathan mentioned the Boys and Girls Club. We have Catholic Community Services, Columbus Community Center, Housing Connect, the International Rescue Committee, uh, and a number of others. Uh, A lot of youth programs in there, Promise South Salt Lake, Salt Lake County Youth Services. So these are all well-established service provider uh, organizations, uh, and the need is, you know, substantial in all of them. 
The website is nourishtoflourish.org if anyone's interested in, in helping out here. Uh, how about the, the, the restaurateurs? How, how have they been uh, reacting to, to this program as it's presented to them? You know, this is a, this is a fantastic program. It's a win-win for everybody. You know, well, for, the, for the restaurateur, they get a consistent demand and payment for meals every day. Uh, typically, a restaurant will be producing 100 meals uh, as part of the program every day of the week. And that's allowing them to bring back extra employees into the organization. And we estimate that a, a restaurant will probably add one to two people um, on a full-time equivalent basis a week, uh, which allows them to either return a, you know, a currently furloughed employee or to actually add uh, additional people. So it's a real shot in the arm for the restaurant and a lifeline in these very difficult times. Uh, we're speaking with Andrew Bebbington, Nourish to Flourish Operations Manager, an organization which uh, right now connects uh, restaurants with those in need, uh, providing funding for restaurateurs to uh, put together and prepare meals, ultimately uh, arriving into the bellies of those who aren't able to uh, afford them themselves. Uh, let me ask you a personal question. How does it feel to know that you uh, have your hands on a project like this, which is putting food, as I mentioned, into the bellies of those in need? Oh, it's incredibly rewarding. You know, we have a number of videos on our uh, website, and uh, we've been fortunate to be able to interview some of the recipients of uh, the program. And, you know, to get a fresh, nourishing meal made on the day from someone in the community that cares about you is completely different from some of the alternatives of picking up cans and heavy carb-type meals. But I think I think the most important thing is the fact that, you know, people, you know, in, the, in these tough times can actually hold on to the fact that the community is working for them out there. And we feel we're doing it in a, in a really positive way that helps the restaurant at the same time. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's great to be able to do something like this and give back. Well, I applaud your efforts, and I'm grateful to you. Thank you, and keep it up. Again, the website is nourishtoflourish.org, uh, and it's a fine organization. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, we'll be speaking uh, with the general manager of Cafe Trio. He's one of the restaurants participating in this program on the receiving end of some funds to help them uh, get back on their feet while in exchange preparing meals uh, for the needy. We'll speak to one general manager next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Thank you for tuning in to this Friday episode, episode number 180 of this program. We are uh, right now uh, covering uh, creative solutions to some of the problems that have been uh, foisted upon us due to this coronavirus pandemic. I, uh, I found it easy to get down. Uh, for the past number of months, I have done a lot of focusing on how hard life has been due to the coronavirus. And uh, and then what I started seeing were some uh, wonderfully imaginative and creative uh, uh, solutions. And uh, I have just sunk my teeth into those and tried to uh, get as close to them as possible. And yesterday I became aware of another uh, such uh, creative solution to one of the problems. You know uh, that uh, that some of the health guidelines have led to, over the past number of months, a marked decline uh, in restaurant patronage, right? You and I are not going to the restaurants uh, that we used to with the regularity we used to. And the, the, the realities 
of that uh, have been devastating to the industry. Uh, you know, how many uh, friends and family members do we have who have been, you know, members of wait staff who have been working in kitchens or who have been uh, working as managers? And they've all been uh, facing tough times. Many, many, many uh, have been furloughed or let go. Uh, so many restaurants have closed their doors. In fact, uh, Melva Syme, uh, as you know from the Utah Restaurant Association, uh, she uh, estimated uh, that uh, about 10% of the state's total uh, number of restaurants uh, have closed and that closure will likely remain permanent. Yeah, can you imagine a, a tenth? A tenth of all Utah restaurants uh, have fallen victim to the coronavirus, never to reopen. It's a heartbreaking reality. And so it was uh, that when I heard uh, just yesterday uh, of this uh, new initiative, Nourish to Flourish, uh, which does this. There are restaurants that have fallen on hard times. All right. And the hard times are not confined to the restaurant industry. Everywhere, every walk of life, everyone, you and I. We have felt the sting of the coronavirus, and some more so than others, some uh, to the extent. And listen, you you may be uh, included in this list, and there is no shame in that, no shame at all, uh, who have found themselves, uh, you know, without uh, without the funds needed uh, to get the proper amount of food in their bellies or the bellies of their children or whoever it is they're responsible for. And again, there's no shame in that. Uh, You know, reality sometimes deals us certain blows. And with those two groups, those two struggling groups, uh, a gentleman we just spoke to, Jonathan Ruga, he uh, lay in bed one night, had an idea, wonder if we could find uh, a way to get our hands on some money, uh, put that in the tills of the restaurants uh, and ask them uh, if they wouldn't, in exchange for that money, mind putting together some meals that we can then distribute to those in need. Now, that's a win-win. Joining us now is the general manager of Cafe Trio, Lloyd Kianfar. Uh, Lloyd, sir, how are you? Very well, sir. Uh, you're participating in this Nourish to Flourish program, is that right? That is correct, yes. T- t- take me backwards a bit. Talk to me about how uh, business has been and how uh, it has been for you as a general manager there at Cafe Trio for the past uh, five, six months. What's it been like? Yeah, I mean, we, we experienced rapid decline, just like everyone else, overnight, immediate depression. But, um, yeah, as, as I heard you say, I think it has been ex- for us to innovate faster and uh, come up with as many solutions as we possibly can to keep giving quality food to everybody. And I think that's been, that's been the, in, the enjoyable part of it. And um, I believe that there are a lot of sad things coming about from this, but restaurants have been coming together, people have been coming together, communities have been really helpful in supporting us. So we have had this very difficult time, but I feel that here at Trio, we kind of feel that we've been accepted by our community and had a lot of love from our community so there has been positives as well what's the what's the prognosis will you be able to weather the storm and emerge Is support from the community sufficient uh, help from uh, programs like this nourish to flourish will you make it bring everyone back i no i realistically no we're not going to bring everyone back i think um yeah we're still dramatically down compared to what we should be but i think you know, the, the, the um, Nourish to Flourish has given us a, a platform to retain staff. That is the main benefit that has come out from us. That It's not about profiteering for us. It's just about can we keep people employed? Can we keep people going? And it does make a big help because you've got to bear in mind the Nourish to Flourish initiative helps us subsidize earlier um, what times of the day that we're, we previously wouldn't have been that busy. Mm-hmm. 
So we're still, we're able to utilize the lunch rush still, the dinner rush still, the nourish to flourish food out by 11 a.m. So we're keeping people working from 9 a.m., which most people in restaurants have been closing earlier and earlier, trying to get staff coming in later, cutting hours. We're able to give those hours back purely from nourish to flourish, which has been great. So, so how, how does it, how does it work? You, uh, how are you preparing these meals? What kind of meals are you preparing? How, how do you send them off? What, what's going on there in the morning as you prepare for uh, your nourish to flourish meals? Well, we have a three three man team that operate nourish to flourish. Um, the owner even participates in the manufacturing of the nourish to flourish production. Uh, we start on it the night night before. We get everything kind of set up and ready to go. And at nine a.m. in the morning, when everyone comes in. We'll start breaking it out and going. The food that we're trying, are trying to give everyone is just delicious food, if we're honest with you. Yeah. We're, we're not budging in terms of our quality. We're still only buying the best products we can. We're buying uh, from local Wasatch Meats. We're buying the chickens from there. We're buying um, the beef they wanted for the meatloaf from Wasatch Meats again. And we're still trying to keep our suppliers all in order. That we're trying to keep it all, keep the distribution line going. Uh, aside from the, aside from the satisfaction you must feel uh, from you know being able to at least hold the line uh, for now, what's it like to know that the program in which you're involved is uh, is filling empty bellies? It's more than just pleasure eating, uh, trying to you know look for some social event in the evening, but there is a legitimate uh, need uh, being uh, being experienced by by many, and you are in the midst of the process uh, uh, to to feed them. How does that feel? I mean, I feel it feels it feels great that we are able to simply feed people. But the, the most enjoyable part of it is that we just we know that the food is going to our local community, and we actually are trying to give them innovative innovative food. We you know we're not we don't want to give them just this usual stuff. We want to still want to be able to offer them that restaurant standard food at home. And we understand that not everyone can come into a restaurant right now, even with our occupancy down by you know forty percent we're still able to give those quality foods to people that are in most need of it. And I think these times will kind of set us aside as being, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very lucky thing that we're able to be a part of it. So that's the, that's our element. Outstanding. Well, uh, listen, I, I'm proud of you and I'm rooting for you and I'm grateful that uh, there are opportunities like this Nourish to Flourish for you to benefit and in turn uh, benefit those who are in need. Our guest has been Lloyd Kianfar. Uh, General Manager of Cafe Trio here on Ninth East in Salt Lake City. Uh, Lloyd, thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, get back to work. I can hear it going on in the background. I don't want to take you away from your important work here. I appreciate that. Thanks very much. All righty. Uh, so there you go. Uh, as I mentioned, it has been very easy for me to get down on myself uh, and just to get down generally as this uh, stinking coronavirus has dealt us so many devastating blows. Uh, but programs like this, uh, Nourish to Flourish, everyone that you have heard from here over the past half hour uh, is either being benefited uh, or engaged in benefiting others. And it's a wonderful thing uh, because there are problems all around. And if you can solve uh, two birds with one stone, uh, like it appears is being done here in this instance, Restaurateurs able to hold on to staff. That means that those staffs are collecting uh, income and able to take care of themselves and their families. In turn, uh, the food they're producing uh, making its way to those who are experiencing real need. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, if you want to get involved, nourishtoflourish.org is the, the, the website. We're going to take a break right now. Uh, when we return, uh, we're going to take a look at Granite School. Uh, the Granite School District uh, has opened up uh, what they're calling a dashboard of sorts. And if you're curious about exactly 
exactly how many how many students, teachers, faculty members have contracted the coronavirus and are they in the schools or out of the schools? All of that information uh, is now available in a transparent sense. We're going to go through that with a spokesperson for the school next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.